Welcome, everybody, to the 43rd episode of Chelsea Against the World, the podcast that brings together an American and an Englishman to discuss all things Chelsea Football Club. I'm your host, Manny. And I'm your host, Simon. Manny, how's it going? Very good, very good. Very good. weekend? It was fantastic. Still still going strong. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and it was a great day yesterday, obviously. Yeah. Uh, big win against the vaunted Sheffield United. <laughs> yeah. But win's a win. We'll take that any day you know, of the week. Yeah, it's remarkable how Chelsea either sets up my weekend for good things or puts me on a downer immediately the first thing on a Saturday morning. I think it's it's a different experience as an English person watching uh, your Premier League team on a Saturday on the 3pm kickoffs anyway because that's all blacked out back home. Over the last, what, 18 months with Chelsea being on the decline, what would we say? The 9am kickoffs on the Saturday morning or even earlier, 6.30am on in Nashville time, can either set your weekend up for disaster or good things immediately. And thank goodness we got a win yesterday. Yeah, it was funny. It set everything up nicely. Yeah, it was funny because we, we were, uh, to give the listeners a point of view, we were at both at the bar yesterday watching the game with a bunch of other Chelsea fans. Our regulars were there as well. And uh, I mentioned to the crowd there, I was like, listen, win, lose, or draw, they're not going to, I'm still going to have a good weekend. I'm going in, I, I, I'm going to the Preds game. I'm going to have a nice dinner. I'm going to meet up with some friends that are driven in from out of town from Memphis. And they are not going to ruin my weekend. And they did it. They did it. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. Yeah. Um, they tried to, they the tried, first yeah, half, exactly. but they tried to. Uh, when you started saying that, I, I thought to myself, that is a man who's taking positive affirmations to a new level That's right. before the game, <laughs> announcing it to an entire bar to other people that no matter what happens in this game, my weekend is still going to be good. I was quite. I found that very funny, actually. So what did you get up to yesterday after the game? We went, well, besides yeah, hanging with me for a yeah, little bit exactly. Afterwards. Simon and I went, and there's a restaurant that's closing now. I probably mentioned this restaurant a couple of times, actually, on this podcast. Um, Josephine, we went there a couple of times before as well. But I told Simon he has to come because yesterday was, or today was actually the last day that they're serving brunch, and it literally is the best hamburger in Nashville. I, I mean, I would die on that hill, and I made you order the hamburger, and what'd you think? I have to say it was one of the best burgers I've ever had, and you weren't. I, I was really keen to test if you were a liar or not, and... You were telling the truth. Therefore, you are right about everything now. I I don't dare question anything listen, you ever listen, say ever I, I again. Don't, I, don't, I don't claim to be very knowledgeable in a lot of things, but if my waistline shows, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm pretty good. I'm very knowledgeable about food. You know, I love I love that place. It's a sad, sad ending to a really good ten years. It was uh, sort of like a one of the first restaurants in in the 12 South area of Nashville, and sort of led the whole revitalization of that district and other restaurants came in yeah. and so now it's, it's sad but it is what it is and uh, what did you do after after i left you did a little bit of shopping i christmas is coming up and so i got some records which is pretty cool you know, I have a new record player and uh getting into that whole sort of vinyl it's like it's like almost like a midlife crisis right when you start getting into vinyl it's like you want to be cool like oh, i got these vinyl record player now I'm buying all these vinyl albums you know it's like trying to be cool again it really that's, that's exactly what it is I, I heard someone say it's not a midlife crisis a midlife opportunity <laughs> that's right that's, that's right yeah yeah be, be, better buying vinyl than a, than a sports car right yeah exactly no, I bought some vinyl records and uh, had to had listen to a few of them. Then I went to dinner last night at this new restaurant in Wedgwood, Houston called Mercado. Um, it's a new Mexican restaurant or Tex-Mex or Mexican, yeah. I don't know. Beautiful inside. The decor is really, really nice. Um, has like that Baja feel to it. Um, and the food was good. It was good. I think you should try it out. I think yeah. everybody should try it out. I mean, it, And did you go to the ice hockey or what you call the hockey yeah, yeah, last first night? First of all, yeah. 
it's funny because you mentioned ice hockey yesterday and I was like, it's actually just hockey, but I didn't think about it because you have field hockey. Yeah, and we just call that hockey yeah. in the UK. Because field hockey is not big in the US, but it's huge in all the Commonwealth uh, countries. Because I remember I have family in New Zealand and they played field hockey, field hockey growing up or just regular hockey, it's I guess. It's a weird sport, man. Yeah. It's a weird sport. Weirdest uniforms I think I've ever seen, yeah. actually. Yeah. Weirdest kits. And yeah. did, So how was the National Predators going? Oh, on, listen, man. Something's happening with this team. They are on a roll, two points away from leading the division. This is a team that was supposed to be in the rebuild. Literally, like, probably as bad as what Luton Town or Sheffield United are in the Premier League in terms of our talent. We have two or three really good players, but we thought this team was going to be in a rebuild. We fired our coach, GM retired, uh, and a new GM came in, a new coach came in, but they're playing all these youngsters, and they're 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 just playing with, like, physicality they're just playing with adrenaline and energy and it's amazing like literally they they give it their all every game and they're just all over the the rink and it's awesome and they're playing so well and our goalkeeper's amazing i didn't realize how many games they play in the nhl yeah it's so many how many is it a season I think it's like 80 uh 82 or 80 i know for a sport that's that physical yeah. as well yeah and what's cool about that sport is that there's like line changes constantly happening right i mean you gotta imagine how much energy is being spent you know skating backwards forwards sprinting uh trying to be very good with the puck very good with the stick and then the goalkeepers constantly are squatting the whole time imagine like holding a squat for longer than five seconds exactly it's difficult we, we, we'd die you and i would die <laughs> We'd be t- yeah. that, that, that's probably like the the hardest position to play in any sport i i probably argue as goalkeeper in the nhl just by having that you have to like be really good at yoga and pilates like being able to do the splits dive or whatever you're not moving much but it's it's pretty tough but me keeping my balance on ice skates longer than five seconds is a challenge in itself so therefore squatting on top of that goalkeeper and playing curling right curling (laughs) (laughs) olympic curling is the other strenuous sport it's the weirdest sport in the world what what is it what's that uh is it billiards billiards is pretty huge in england right you got snooker snooker yeah yeah Yeah, that that has to be also a very physical sport yeah yeah not not quite as quite as physical as the darts (laughs) though the darts world championship i do love the darts because everybody's absolutely hammered oh man no (laughs) Everybody no one goes drunk. there and watches what's happening. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. The fans are hilarious. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. It's so funny watching it on ESPN. Yeah, and it's a Christmas tradition back in the UK oh, is as it? well. Yeah, are you good a, at darts? No, not really. No. I don't think so. I never. I don't think I've ever played when I've been sober. So I'm not uh, quite sure. Yeah, I've, yeah. There's a. I've played a little bit, but not, it's not really. My we used to play thing. at a bar in Memphis, and I don't think I was good. I could hit the target and get lucky a couple of times, but there was no. There was no sort of strategy or or anything no. like that to it. It was just like you know, just throw an aim and, and, and hope drink for the best. Beer. Yeah, that's exactly. The, that's the combination yeah. of it. Just chain smoke and throw darts. That's yeah. what it was growing <laughs> up. <laughs> so on to December Christmas things. December Christmas Chelsea fixtures. Yeah, we had our f- f- home game against Sheffield United yesterday, resulting in a two nil win. Yeah, and we I, got a win. I th- well, obviously, somebody on this podcast predicted a 2 0 win. I think who's that? Uh, I don't yeah, know. I don't remember. Me. Definitely, definitely, definitely have faith in Nostromani. Uh, yeah. But when the team sheet came out, I think we both mentioned that I want to see the four center backs play. You know, especially if our fullbacks are not healthy. Obviously, when the team sheet came out, Twitter was in uproar. Message boards were in the uproar. What kind of terrorist football is Pochettino trying to play? Not starting Matson or Gusto or a traditional fullback. And I thought to myself, you know, listen, man, this team needs 
some sort of defensive stability. We have been leaking goals for the most part in the last five, six games. Yeah. And we have to be forward in terms of making sure we protect a new keeper and having four center backs to me was really, really important in this game. I know we both Colwell has shown that he lacks sort of the versatility of playing that fullback role, especially on the overlap, because that's not what he's used to. And it takes away from one of his strengths, which is his long ball distribution. I mean, he was great at that last year for Brighton. And that that sort of is out of his wheelhouse when he's in this fullback role. But even DeSassi playing on the right fullback role. But I think the physicality and the defensive structure for this game was needed because this is Petrovic's first game starting in goal. And we needed some stability in the back line. We needed stability in terms of keeping a clean sheet. And it worked for us. You can have opinions on whether you think the team has been set up correctly, but I feel that the the judgment and criticism based on team selection alone, I feel it's like such an asinine conversation yeah. in terms of like sun, summing up where the manager is because essentially no one knows what the story is behind the scenes in terms of if any players have taken a knock, where players are in terms of their recovery. So Gusto is a right back, obviously, but he hasn't played in a while. And... We are in the trenches at the moment. Chelsea are not in a good place. We need to eke out wins no matter how we do it. It doesn't matter how we do it. It doesn't matter how well we play. It doesn't matter if they're lucky goals. It doesn't matter if they're world-class goals. It has to be the main prerogative at the moment. As you said, is is keeping a clean sheet and trying to win by hook or crook. It doesn't matter how it's done. And The the fact is, the the other game that we played four centre-backs, we won. Yeah. So I was as, like you when the team sheet was announced I was like okay well at least we're going to be you would think we're going to be solid and we can build from there especially when you're playing against a low block as well if you've got that security of a four centre back defence you can afford to push for, forward more people within that situation because your full backs are not going to be flying forward either I mean I wasn't too disappointed with the team probably and I, me and you were contrary to probably yeah, all other Chelsea and I mentioned social media Slack channel, I was like I think everybody's pissed off about the starting lineups. So we're probably going to win you know, and everybody was happy about last week's starting lineup against Everton outside of me with, you know, Batty Schill starting and um, Brozier starting. And I was like, this is not, for me, it's not going to set up for a win. And we didn't win. So we should rename this podcast Manny Was Right. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's a lot of things I'm wrong about, <laughs> trust me, uh, on a daily basis. I'm reminded about that as well for my <laughs> friends and my family. Uh, no, I, I think the team was set up for a win. Obviously, the first 45 minutes was pretty dreadful for the most part. Maybe Connor Gallagher had an opportunity to score. Uh, in the first half, but really what I think the XG was like 0.1 or 0.15 for us in the first half. Didn't really have that much opportunity and credit to uh, Sheffield United. They're playing in the low block, which we knew they were going to do. And they were had their opportunities on a few counter, uh, especially in the, towards the end of the first half. I thought we may have, they may have probably go a goal down because they had a little bit of pressure there in the injury time, but no Potch made some changes. Yeah. We just talk it because we watched the Liverpool Man United game just now together, and it was very clear that Manchester United had a similar game plan to Sheffield United in terms of how they set up today. And everyone was adamant that they were going to get pumped by Liverpool, so they set up in a way that they've showed very little ambition on the front foot. It was more about keeping themselves solid, sitting back and trying to hit on the break, and that's the way Sheffield United set up. And especially under their new old coach Chris Wilder, who was rehired in the last couple of weeks. That's what Sheffield United were famous for when they were in the Premier League a couple of years ago. And I don't think people quite understand how difficult it is to break a team down 
who literally show no ambition whatsoever. And a team that hasn't got a huge amount of confidence like us at the moment. I know we've got very good technical players, but the confidence is low and the continuity is low and we're still learning how to play with each other. And it's difficult to break down a team that's showing no ambition to attack. It's just there to defend and try and nick a goal from a set piece, which they almost did in the first half. Yeah, and I think also it was a little bit difficult in terms of trying to beat down a low block, especially when you're a maestro who excels at passing, Enzo is not starting. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was one of the few things I was sort of took an eye out. I was like, okay, we're playing a team like Sheffield with Chris Wilder. Usually, actually, he played a 3-5-2 a lot for Sheffield, but he played it back for this game. Um, and Enzo was not playing. And obviously, I thought we, I think we both called this on the last pod that Enzo probably needs a timeout right now from playing so many minutes and going back to last year's World Cup uh, and then through the summer as well. And I think that we still were able to put two goals in without him on the pitch, which was meaningful. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll be ready for the game against Newcastle. So I was kind of happy that we, first of all, we got to win. Second of all, no major injuries. Yeah. That's huge. Apart from Cucurella, but that happened last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then third, Enzo getting a, a rest. Yeah, I think it's... I mean, everyone saw it. His his legs looked like they were fading. His legs looked like they were fading. And you have to... We've taken this long-term view with a lot of our injured players and not rushing them back. I feel that if we want to see the best of Enzo Fernandez moving forward, we had to manage his workload a bit better and I think I, I quite like the fact that Pochettino tried it this game and as you said the the tweaks in the second half that Pochettino made I was really impressed by because immediately in the second half we came out looking more dangerous and it didn't take that long for the, the first goal to come and there were some tactical tweaks that he made so initially he put Cole Palmer in the 10 behind Nicholas Jackson and Sterling on the right with Mujic on the left he then flipped Sterling and Palmer to play Sterling through the middle with Palmer cutting in on the right and that really worked very well Sterling was incredibly direct in that second half and Palmer had more time on the ball to look for better passes and make some interesting runs as well which led to his first goal and also Nico Jackson was giving given a little bit more um, liberal positioning as well. You kind of saw him sort of wider on the left side and sort of that Mudrick position as well. And um, listen, may 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 not be the best center forward there, but Nicholas Jackson, what seven Premier League goals? That's seven more than Hoyland. Yeah, he's he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's he's scoring when he's supposed to score. Yeah, he could probably have ten or twelve, you know, at this point, but. When, when have we had a striker that scored seven goals halfway through the season? Yeah. When's the last time we had a striker? Tammy Abraham, probably. Yeah. yeah and well, that's I, five years ago. Exactly. And so I know Nico Jackson has a lot of haters on Twitter and on Slack or whatnot, but I think this kid still has it, it still has some talent in him, and we have to give him time and patience because he's young, and this is his first season in the Premier League, and he's going to get better, I think. Yeah, I don't think people could quite underestimate the pressure that this this kid is under. He's what, 22 years old. He's only been a striker. He started out as a left winger and now moved to the striking position. And listen, I've been very critical of him in recent weeks in particular. I don't think he's done terribly well, but he's one of many who hasn't. And as you said in the previous podcast, the only thing that we can really give these players now is time. And goals like that, whether they come scrappily or not, they come and they're not, they count. So... We've talked about this. I think we do need an experienced striker to yeah, lead the line. agree. Because it takes a lot of pressure off him as well moving forward. But he offers a different kind of versatility that you can move him out left. You can move into different positions across the front line. And 
seven goals from a striker. That's more seven more than we had last year, right? Yeah. How many did Aubameyang and Havertz have at this point in I time think, last time? Because there are main two yeah. strikers. I think Aubameyang probably scored more more in one game in the CL than for the rest of the <laughs> yeah. season, right? Uh, no, I, I, and I think it also shows you the contrast in player player type in terms of Brozier versus Nico Jackson. Brozier probably has a little bit more physicality in him, but I think Nico Jackson has more finesse, mm-hmm. especially carrying the ball as well. And uh, we'll, we'll be able to shift the ball pretty well in the box. And I think he'll only improve in that aspect. Brosha should have scored yesterday. Should yeah. have scored. I mean, a great ball in from Cole Palmer. You know, should have had two uh, assists and a goal from Palmer. But I think he's like, I mean, you could see the disgust on his face when he missed it. I mean, anywhere else. Yeah. Like, you had to try to put that ball where he put it outside the box in the top corner. A few people tried to argue with me yesterday that Nicholas Jackson's miss against, I think it was Nottingham Forest from like three yards out was worse than Brogia's. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, he should have scored, but it was harder. He had to get his bo- his body over the ball to, to to knock it in. You made the point yesterday. It's actually harder to do what Brogia did in terms of missing, in terms of technique. To hit it over from that angle, that's quite an achievement. But this is the thing I would say. I'd rather him do that when we're 2 it up. Yeah, 100%. 100%. If he's going to need to get that out of his system, yeah. do it then. Yeah. That's the right time to do it. I don't think we're looking at goal differential right now. No, <laughs> we're exactly. just trying to get up the table, yeah. you know. As we mentioned, we need to win however we can and it's a step in the right direction. Look, you know, we're back in the top half of the table. Any kind of fears that I had that relegation will be an issue, I think we can probably put them to the side because... Not that we're fantastic, but the teams below us in that bottom three are pretty poor. Yeah, and worst case scenario, if we get a 10-point deduction, which probably will get appealed, I mean, we'll still be sitting above Luton, Burnley, and Sheffield. Yes, I also think that that question about the point deduction, I don't think we're anywhere near the investigation stage at this point. I think it's more likely to happen next season if it's going to happen, so I think we will be all good. Going back to the game, who was your player in the match yesterday? Cole Palmer. Cole Palmer. I thought second half Cole Palmer is was just electric all over the pitch, doing so well, keeping possession of the ball. Maybe some first touches here and there that he probably played the ball a little bit too hard. But when he got shifted to the right side, I thought he was just incredible. I mean, this is this is I I keep heaping praises on him. This kid is going to be awesome. I mean, both of our city players yesterday were electric in the second half. Yeah. Sterling and Palmer yeah. changed the game for us. Credit to the coach for switching that round, yeah. actually. Mine was, I think, Moises Caicedo. Yeah. It was a couple of close ones between him. Even Gallagher had a great Yeah, game. Gallagher and Badia Shiel, I thought, yeah. played excellently yesterday. Not just in terms of defensively, but the way he was spraying the ball around as well. But I think Caicedo, I think we might have mischaracterized him, actually. I think he is way more effective when he's higher up. I think you mentioned it, that how effective he is as a box-to-box midfield. And I think we've kind of been forced into the situation where he has to be the deepest line defensive midfielder. And I think that is actually an error in my judgment to think that he was that kind of player. I think we all wondered how him and Lavia and Enzo were going to fit as a three together long-term. And I think the plan is to have the Lavia Lavia at the base and Caicedo and Enzo moving forward. Because I think Caicedo is so effective at winning the ball back so high up that he can start those attacks. And he's less effective in a low block situation when he's that deep. Because as you said yesterday, his passing is not wonderful at the moment and it was better for Brighton but I think he'll get there and I was really encouraged that he played really well especially in that second half yesterday he was everywhere absolutely everywhere yeah his counter pressing is 
phenomenal. I mean, that's what we bought him for. Him Gallagher counter pressing high up is going to be amazing with Lavia's on on the pitch. Um, and so I guess he's kind of okay in counter pressing, but he's more of that passer uh, and sort of in that advancing midfielder uh, sort of role. But I think with Enzo, his finishing right now is not to the level of where it was for Argentine national team and for uh, Benfica. Um, so I think that will come with some time. Uh, but I think with Caicedo, I see him like the N'Golo Conte type role, you know, all over the pitch. And he needs his Matic, which is going to be lobby, I think. Yeah, I hope so. So racing on the coach yesterday, how do you think? Oh, I think, I think you know, you can see the frustration in the first tap on his face. I mean, we literally impotent in the final uh, third of the pitch. Did a good job in, in, in the defensive side of it and building up through the midfield. But once they got Pat, got to Mudrick or Nico or Cole Palmer or Sterling in the first half, it was just dismal. And that was credit more to Sheffield and the way they sat back. I mean, yeah. their back four played really, really well. And um, I think the tactical changes that he made in the second half were brilliant. Yeah, I, I like the fact he didn't panic yesterday. And, and, and bring out Nkuku like right away, you know? Yeah. I mean, the fact that Nkuku, I mean, that's another thing we should talk about. Him being on the bench is great. Yeah. So happy for him to be on the bench, but not having to bring him in to salvage a goal, you know, at the end of the game was important in my in my mindset. Yeah, psychologically, it's really important to see him there, but also, as you said, not to to bring him on because we're throwing the kitchen sink at the defense to try and break them down. I think the, whatever you say about the performance yesterday, it was controlled, and that's something we've been lacking. Whether it was exciting or not is another issue, but defensively, we sort of we gave more than enough protection to the new goalkeeper so we didn't notice that he was playing that's all you can ask for in these games especially in December they come so thick and fast that there's some real weird results that come up and maybe some of the defeats that we've experienced in the last couple of weeks have been down to that as well but we just need to get through especially this run of fixtures that we've got coming up we need to be trying to go to maximum points every game and I don't care how we do it yeah um, and another good thing about yesterday's game is this is like the best time to play Sheffield United, I think, because we have a new goalkeeper. I didn't. I don't want to see Petrovic's first game against Newcastle in a in a you know quarterfinal match in, in the League Cup. Playing Sheffield United at home was a good good move on on our part in terms of. I mean, obviously we don't want to see injuries hurt, but if there was ever time to be hurt, another game coming up, it was this game. I think on the relegation side and having that sort of confidence going into a Newcastle fixture. Yep, I'm in the top half of the table. Get in. That's right, that's right. Uh, also, really nice to see Ian Matson and Gusto coming in. And, you know, it was only for a couple of minutes, but getting like, you know, getting some minutes in, you know, can kind of help them in their push to maybe getting more playing time against Newcastle. But, uh, you know, talking about that game, maybe we'll talk about a little bit later on the podcast yeah. in terms of how I want to see it set up. But it was nice to see Gusto back as well. Yeah. I don't think anyone played badly yesterday. I think it was... I think Mudrick had a quite an underrated game, actually. Yeah. I think in those low block situations, you don't really see the best of him because he's much better with space in behind where he can use his pace. But I think he made some very, very good decisions. And the commentators just target him. It's just an easy target. And it finds it very, very frustrating. But I think he played really well in that. Especially that first half, he was one of the bright spots in the team. Not even the commentators, just journalists in general on Twitter, like he is an easy target for people to go after. And mind you, it's probably the price tag and the fact that he spurned Arsenal as well. And, you know, they got Trossard instead of uh, Mudrik. But still, like, you know, this kid has gone through so much. And we've harped about it so much on the prior podcast. And he's he's actually been one of our bl- better players in the last four or five games. Yeah. You're starting to see better decision-making from him. And that comes, as you said, with experience and playing time. So 
it's nice to see. So it, what was not nice to see was that one shot he had in the first half. <laughs> yeah. I think it went to Matthew Harding stand or yeah. wherever. But the, everything he did up to that point was very good. Yeah, it was the really, turn really was good. excellent. The shot, maybe, maybe it was a long pass uh, to, to the guy in the stands. Maybe he saw a Sheffield fan uh, yeah. the home stands was trying to target him or something. Who knows? So we moved to Tuesday. The League Cup or EFL Cup quarterfinal game at home to Newcastle. And you've said to me that this is our most important game of the season so far. Can, you tell, can you tell us why? Absolutely. Sitting uh, in 10th place, you know, I'd say about, what, 8 to 10 points away from a European spot. We have to be in Europe next year for financial reasons. And this is right now our closest avenue is getting into the, the League Cup final, the Carabao Cup final, and winning it to get into the Conference League. These small, this to me is the biggest game of our season. It has to be. We have to win it. We have to throw everything at it. Whether it goes into penalties or not, who knows? I don't think there's injury time in the, in the quarterfinal. No, I think time, no. no. Yeah, I think it goes straight into um, the penalties. We have to win this game. Must win. Okay, then. I, I see your point there, and I think I agree. To me, we're brought up as Chelsea as, as the trophy winners. So every cup competition is. I've tried to. When we get knocked out of the League Cup, every time I'm like, well, it's only the League Cup. It hurts every time. I don't want to... To me, it's a trophy. You have to fight for it. And like the best teams build their foundations by winning this trophy in particular. Every big Chelsea team that we've had who's gone on to be a success has built success off this trophy in particular. So we have to win. How would you set up on Tuesday? Yeah, same back four. Yeah. Uh, Desasi, Colwell, Soba, Badisho. Obviously, Petrovic is going to be in goal. Um, I would go back to our three-man midfield of uh, Connor, Enzo, and Caicedo. And then the top three, I would probably stick with Jackson, Sterling, and Palmer and bring uh, Mudrick and, and Cuckoo off the bench in the second half. Yeah, I think that's... Ambrosia. I think that's sensible. I think also with... And Cuckoo's such a good player, not even just his like uh, unbelievable ability, but his presence as a top-class player makes you other players think about it. And... I think Newcastle, we played Newcastle in pre-season, didn't we, when Nkuku yeah. was playing and he played really well really against well. them as well. So, And it's interesting to see, I think, when he comes back, the flexibility in our front line is going to be really crucial. I think with the purchase of Jackson, who can play move out wide, with Sterling being flexible across the three, so as Palmer, I feel that there's very much a, a fluid front three feel that we're going to have at Chelsea if and when everyone is fit. Really, yeah, it's important we get the victory on Tuesday. Yeah, it was wild because we saw our lineup, you know, the last three or four weeks and seeing what we had coming off the bench was not really good. You know, all we had was Broja or, or whoever. And being able to bring on in the second half now and Cuckoo, Mudrick, and Broja, I mean, that's arguably a very good front three as well. And, you know, on tops of Nico, Sterling, and um, Cole Palmer, I think it's going to be... It's going to allow Pochettino to have more flexibility in his attacking lineup, especially coming into this congested uh, fixture list in December. I mean, it sucks that we don't have any fullbacks, but I think playing with Desasi and Colwell uh, right now, it, it just got, you just got to grow with it and hopefully get Gusto some minutes to where he can start at some point and get um, you know Ian Matson some time as well. Maybe give him some cameo spots to start when we get into that sort of like every other time every other day games in, in late December and then maybe sell him yeah. the winner, right? Yeah, I was about to ask you that question. I think his his time at Chelsea might be numbered. Yeah. Especially with him not wanting to sign a new contract, I think they're gonna sell him. Just like I know you're gonna see people get upset because he's an academy product or whatnot and played last year really well and why 
why Pacha, what he does play, and playing him out of position at the left wing and not a left fullback position. But that's a key. He's an academy product. It's pure profit. We sell him. Goes into the books. It allows us to buy another fifteen-year-old uh, Brazilian <laughs> wonder kid. <laughs> Speaking of academy products and left backs, and Newcastle, there is some talk about Lewis Hall, who we all thought was going to be signing for Newcastle permanently at the end of the season after his loan obligation to buy. There's some real chatter that he is not going to be staying at Newcastle and will be coming back to us next season because Newcastle can't afford to pay the money needed for the loan obligation to buy with them going out of the Champions League now and no European football. Where do you think we stand on that? What do you think is going to happen? I think I think the sell will still go through, to, to be honest with you. I don't know if he'll come back next year. I think the sell, I, I would hope that the sell does go through just based on the statement he put out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> He deleted it, though. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, yeah I saw it, that. Yeah. I saw that, yeah. Um, but I, 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 listen, I thought when he played for us, he's one of the few bright spots that we had last year when he came in, especially, um, you know, in some of the cup matches, I think that the finishing has to be a little bit better. You know, he needs to have like Alonzo's finishing or whatnot. I would love to see him. I mean, I would love to have him now given our, yeah, he'd walk into the uh, yeah right given the, the deficiencies we have at left fullback with Chilwell out and with Cucurella now having surgery and then, you know, playing Colwell out of position. I think Lewis Hall would be starting right now for us. I don't. I just don't know what happened in Newcastle. Like, even when he's on the bench, like he maybe he got like what six minutes yesterday. He came in like you know for uh, mm-hmm. for burn. Uh, I just don't know what's happening. I think there's a few things that here. I don't think Potch ever really wanted him because if you think look back to the preseason games, he never played him at left back. He always put him in central midfield, a bit like Matson actually. Just loves playing players out of position just to see what they're made of. But I think from what I understand is that for the obligation to kick in for it to become an obligation he has to pay a certain amount of minutes and I don't think he's going to meet that minute criteria however I still think we'll sell him I just don't necessarily think it'll be Newcastle and, and the, we we were, we actually were quoted to have a pretty good fee for him too which would have also been pure profit and so I think you're right if we do sell him we'll probably for a little bit less than yeah. what we were quoted from Newcastle um, unfortunate I was, you know I think um, and I'm sure all Chelsea fans would, would welcome him back I would welcome him back but from a business side of it, I think we have to sell him just like we have to sell Mats and like we have to sell Chilo, but these are all academy products. It'd be pure profit for us to spend if we want to spend in the January transfer. And it looks quite, there's more chatter as well about Conor Gallagher being sold yeah, in January. Yeah, I know. And that's unfortunate because, you know, we completed a 360 on him, you and I. We yeah. didn't rate him in, in the off season, in the beginning of the year, but he's played so well. Obviously, I'd love to see him go through a game without getting a yellow card. <laughs> Literally, literally, go get it's through one game. It's not the way game. he plays, is it? I know, no. And the fact is, when he when he's on a yellow, he still is making the same challenges and stuff like that. And you and I are like, okay, he got his yellow yesterday. Get him off the pitch. Bring in Enzo. And I mean, it just he has to be a little bit more. You know, he has to show some sort of stability in the midfield in terms of his challenges. But it's hard when that's hardwired in him. That's the way he plays. Very aggressive, yeah. going in for the balls and tackles and whatnot. I've mentioned this privately. I think that. The fact that the new contract hasn't been signed or even talked about yet, I think I wouldn't be a huge surprise if he leaves this January, actually, because it's 18 months left on his deal. January transfer window is just around the corner. Whatever we lack for in points, we may make up in transfer dopamine in January in the summer. So let's see where we're at. I think some funny things are going to happen over the next couple of months. Strap yourselves in, Chelsea fans. So what do you think about this? Go back to the Newcastle game. 
what 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 is your prediction? What are you hoping to see? Because this game's going to be at home, not at St. James Park, which is nice. Um, do you expect us to eke out a victory, or do you think it's going to go into penalties? Because I don't think I want it to go into penalties, especially with Petrovic being a new goalkeeper. I think we'll win. Just. Just. I think we'll squeak over the line. 1-0. No, I don't I don't see them not scoring. Maybe 2-1, 3-2. It's going to be a scrappy game, but I think we'll get there just. How about you? I agree. I think we're going to win uh, probably 2-1. Okay. But I think I think we're going to win the game. I think we have to win the game. It's big for us to be there. And I want to see the bridge buzzing. It was not buzzing yesterday, let's be honest. Even no. we're up two goals, it was... It was like it was literally like a funeral home. We yeah. mentioned that at the pub. Uh, the, the the bridge has to be rocking on Tuesday night. Yeah, I think it will be. It usually get for those big games. It will do. I think at the moment I was talking to someone about this yesterday. The players need our support, but they also need to give us something as well. And I feel that the crowd had mentally steeled themselves for a low block coming in. It just rinse and repeat. But hopefully this t- this team is going to turn over a new leaf and we can get there. So bring on Newcastle on Tuesday. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Again, thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in every single week, listening to Simon and I rant. A little bit better result yesterday, obviously, in a more positive podcast. But again, patience is a virtue, and time is needed for this team. You've seen how this team has played so far. The talent is there. We just got to be patient with it. Now, if you haven't followed us, please do so on Twitter instagram and tiktok tiktok we are at catw podcast that's catw podcast and again if you have any questions comments or suggestions or if you want to be on the show please email us at podcast catw at gmail.com podcast catw at gmail.com yeah thanks again for tuning in everybody it's nice to do another podcast off the back of the win was talking to manny that there was a really ridiculous stat we get to the point when Chelsea are not great where we just try to fish for the most ridiculous and hard stats to learn that at one point until yesterday we had more kits this season than we did Premier League home wins, which was two. But now we have three, so we're level. So let's get us to four <laughs> over the next few weeks. But uh, please do give us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. We're trying to get to as many people as we possibly can. And we'll see you after the Newcastle game for a debrief before the Wolves uh, and Christmas break. So thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.